This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. How I Got My Wife to Read Comics Episode 524 Can a comic book collector of over 30 years get his wife to read them? Will she let him keep them? Learn more in this podcast. Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. Thorne strolls into the future, the Doomsday Exposition, Dueling Questions, a beach vacation for Cat and Bat, Gale Grows Up, Fear the Power of Repulso, Young Injustice, More Fun in the Orville, and the Doom Patrol is Trapped in Time. This is how I got my wife to read comics for Sunday, September 15th, 2019. I'm Mark. And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts and blogs, or you can subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com, like us at facebook.com slash sfppn, follow us on Twitter at sfppn, check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn, and call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Legion of Superheroes Millennium Number 1 of 2 by Bendis, Lee, Neugen, Sorrentino, Arujo, Williams, Sinclair, Caliz, Stewart, and Belair. I believe we found the real reason Brian Michael Bendis moved to DC Comics. He wanted to resurrect the Legion. This two-part intro is intended to build a bridge between today and the 31st century, taking into account all the various and sundry future events that have come out over the years. However, while it does a lot of name-dropping, it doesn't really tie them together apart from our lead and narrator, Thorn of Rose and Thorn, an otherwise minor vigilante. She has a split personality, Gentle Rose and Vindictive Thorn, with two different versions introduced in the Golden Age and the Silver Age, with the latter running as a backup in the old Lois Lane title. Now we learn that LexCore had created a drug to suppress her Thorn personality, but as a result, or due to some other factor, she learns over time that she is now immortal. So we follow both Rose and Thorn, she stopped taking the drug from current day to a near future where Supergirl is president of the U.S. of Earth, Neo Gotham, where she meets and fights Batman Beyond, Commandy, and the Great Disaster, where she swipes Superman's suit, and Tommy Tomorrow, now a bureaucrat for the Planeteers. Each time she asks questions trying to figure out her place in the world. Each section is from a different artist, which provides very different styles. We even get Jim Lee interior art. I assume they gave him a six-month head start. The real issue here is that it's more of a time travelogue than an attempt to create a unified timeline, which is what Bendis stated was the goal. Perhaps the second issue will perform that task, but with Bendis's record of big ideas and poor wrap-ups, I doubt it. In any case, bring on the Legion! Doomsday Clock, number 11 of 12 by Johns, Frank, and Anderson. Okay, just as a reminder, this was originally intended as a 12-issue monthly miniseries. As of this recording, with one more issue to go, which supposedly will ship on December 18th, we are at 662 days and counting. Anyway, 
Johns has apparently just been reminded that he needs to wrap up his story. And so in order to do that and remind us of the story so far, we get a big heap of helping of exposition via dual narrators Luthor and Vite. Bruce and Diana are the only heroes not out of action or stuck on Mars, and so they fight on to stop nuclear war and Kondok's very bad metas. Meanwhile, Luthor brings Lois and us up to speed, then goes on to talk about chronal energy spikes and a mysterious old photo that keeps showing up where they occur. Of course, we know that this is Dr. Manhattan going to various points, and the man in the photo is John, a.k.a. Manhattan, taken by Carver Coleman. At one of these spikes, Lex sees the reunion of Barry and Wally from Rebirth. Each of the photos are the same photo, somehow left behind by Manhattan. He's not even aware of it. Lex has now realized that these chronal spikes are John trying to affect the time stream. At this point, Byte takes over the story and begins spackling over plot holes with abandon. He speaks to prisoners Johnny Thunder and Saturn Girl, with the latter turning to dust as her timeline ends. He explains how he manipulated Mime and Marionette, as well as Reggie Long, a.k.a. the new Rorschach. We also learn that John spared Marionette, as her baby would later be adopted by the Hollis family, a.k.a. Night Owl and Silk Spectre. And that the Superman theory is partially true and that it led to Firestorm. This allowed Vite to manipulate events leading to Superman, the explosion in Russia, created by his pet Bubastis, and to the heroes going to Mars and off the table. The issue ends with Superman, now recovered, brought together with Manhattan, and the big battle, to be concluded, eventually, maybe, we'll see. Lois Lane number 3 of 12 by Rucka Perkins and Mounts. Our intrepid reporter gives her statement to the police after the attack on her life. Then Superman flies in so they can have a chat. He made a public appearance to make it clear that whoever attacks Lois attacks him. And Lois is pissed about it. Even a quick flight doesn't calm her down. Lois explains that his stunt did was add fuel to the fire about him kissing a married woman. I screwed up. Yes, you did. Lois knows she's on the right track on the investigation since she was attacked. She's rattling the right cages. Meanwhile, the question is attacked by the question. They remove their face masks. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Why not? Charlie? Hello, Renee. I don't understand. Charlie, you died. Yeah, I know. Too many questions. Lois finishes her night back in her hotel room. Clark is going to meet her there and sees what she assumes is him in the shower. Oops, it's John. Mom, a little privacy, please. I really love the dialogue throughout. Yes, we have to remember that really she missed the whole John going from 12 to John going to 18. So it is a little awkward. Batman number 78 by King, Man, and Maury. City of Bane takes a slight breather and we get a bat and cat story with a callback to her first appearance in Batman number 1, 1940, on the ocean cruise. Cut to current day where Bruce, a.k.a. Matches Malone, and Selina appear to be vacationing, but it's really training. How do you feel? I'm fine. Oh, Bat, I like how you lie. They are there to meet someone or something that is coming that can defeat Bane. We get a lot of great dialogue about the decisions that they've made. How Selina saw a possible future for him and how that died when she decided that she had to leave him. She thought she did it as a hero would to make sure Batman could continue, but she realizes that was a lie. I wasn't a hero, I was a thief, so I waited and I wept. 
She uses this to anger Bruce so he will throw himself into his training. On the beach, in costume, he confesses to her that her rejection brought him low to the point he could admit to himself. What if we, both of us, maybe we don't live because of the hurt. Maybe we live to fight the hurt. You don't know. Cat, I'm not fine. Everything's not fine. My world is dust without you. Followed by a passionate kiss. Oh, you poor rich boy. You have no idea what you're getting into. Maury's artwork is absolutely incredible. I am hoping against hope that when this is all over, Cat and Bat can be a couple. It's a direction that has rarely been explored apart from imaginary stories or cases where the girl turns out to be a villain. Well, we've seen it in the other Earths where they actually have children together. Exactly. But it's probably going to go the way of Lois and Clark. So Yeah. Black Hammer Justice League by DC and Dark Horse by Lemire, Walsh, and Pecos. On Earth Zero, the remaining leaguers interrogate the Hammer team, which goes nowhere. Aquaman, stop looking at me like that, Gale. You go ahead and play hard to get, Fishman. I like it. I love Gale. In this situation, she's great. (laughs) Back in their cell, Dragonfly threatens to break them out with her magic, but Abe explains they need their help to get back. Gale, tired of the whole thing, breaks out anyway. On Earth Hammer, Cyborg finds Bruce in his bat cave, a.k.a. the barn. They then notice a robotic figure in the corner. Of course, it's Talkie Walkie. Cyborg reactivates him. Who the hell are you? Meanwhile, Weird provides Green Lantern with some background, and he sees a scene in time where the leaguers just arrived on the farm. Flash is sent off to figure out their location, which may kill him when he tries to leave town, just as Black Hammer was killed. So Green Lantern reaches out to stop him, and Flash, Green Lantern, and Weird find themselves somewhere that Weird has never seen. Back to Gale flying around the city, she runs into Satana. Gale's magic drew them together. Gale explains her magic word won't change her back to an adult, and Satana says the word backwards, Marfa's. An explosion, and Gale finds herself in her normal middle-aged body, and so happy. <laughs> Wonder Twins number seven by Russell and Byrne, and Young Justice number eight by Bendis, Timms, and Eltiab, both from Wonder Comics. Just wanted to mention these in passing. With the threat of the Scrambler neutralized and the League of Annoyance shut down, Zan and Jaina are reassigned to act as tour guides for Hall of Justice VIP tours. Zan relishes the role and his new hero status, but Jaina is sad over how it all ended, with her best friend behind bars and the world no better than it was before. We see the League assigning a very special hero to break up a riot at a hockey game. Repulso, a man who exudes a terrible scent. He's literally lowered into the fight and the rioters disperse. Repulso is happy to help but hates his life in isolation. Meanwhile, a meteor is about to wipe out Earth and VIP customers hear about it on the tour, creating another riot. Didn't really think that through, did you? Of course, the League stops it, and when the rioters demand to know why the impending disaster wasn't announced earlier, Superman points to the riot damage. In the end, Jaina does make a difference by turning into a giant ant with no sense of smell so she can visit Repulso. Meanwhile, Young Justice finds themselves on Earth-3 where the crime syndicate is gone. I think they died in an event a while ago. Leaving the world in chaos, they meet their evil young doppelgangers, Amazon Thunder... Luthor L, Speed Zone, Drake, and Hex. There's Also, there's a Stephanie there, a.k.a. Batwoman, who appears to be a good guy. 
Drake explains to Robin during a fight how great his name is. It's one of the most dangerous birds. And Impulse thinks that's a great new name for Robin. The bad guys want the multiverse map, which obviously our heroes don't have or they would find their way home. The bad guys are just fighting over the remnants of their destroyed world. It's an interesting concept, but I assume our heroes will eventually get home so they can interact with the mainline DCU again. The Oroville, number three, The Word of Avis, number one of two, from Dark Horse by Goodman, Cazace, and Etienne. I was surprised to find this in the comic poll, as I thought the title ended after the last two-parter, but I guess it'll be a series of these two-parters. Like the last story, it comes from an Orville exec producer, and I suspect it might even be a rejected show storyline. After a holodeck, oh, sorry, simulator, in, involving the Knights Templar and a discussion of religion, the Orville finds a small ship off course on its way to Krill space. They snag it and find a group of xenoanthropologists who were assigned the task to decipher the Book of Krill, copied by Ed in an earlier episode. They found themselves becoming enamored of the whole thing and started worshipping Avis. Oh, and one of them is an old classmate of Lamar's. In classic TNG slash Orville fashion, Lamar's romantic thoughts cause him to let down his guard, which result in the ship finding itself in Krill space, which is where the scientists wanted them. Again, very much like a regular TV episode. I find myself liking this comic more and more, even better than the Star Trek titles, I think, because it's so... It examines some of the same things, but it's a much fresher outlook, I think. Doom Patrol, Way to the Worlds, number three from Young Animal by Way, Lambert, Orlando, Shatner, and Von Villian. We've now jumped forward in time. An editor's note says, This story originally appeared in Doom Patrol, number 172, published March 2031. By the way, that's 137 months from now. Based on the shipment schedule of this title, it seems unlikely they will reach that number by then. Anyway... The team is stuck in Goliath, a Gothamish noir city. Danny is gone. Casey was absorbed into Jane's psyche. Cliff is now playing a private detective. Rita is now a monster wearing a dress. Flex heroed himself into oblivion. Lucius is now an adult. Garfield is found in a vault. Everything is controlled by the syndicate, and the team decides to attack their HQ only to find... Mento controlling it all via Comatose Larry. Apparently, this all happened due to the upgrade system that was added to Cliff's robot suit in a recent issue. It became Planet Cliff. Mento fought it, absorbing the upgrade system, which took him over. Mento thought he had killed everyone, but now the loop will happen again and they will all be stuck. So he goes back in time to stop himself. But will that just reinforce the loop? Larry, now awake, is able to send Casey into the underground. Cut to Dannyland, where our current heroes find Mento, who has no memory. It was a very interesting, but very confusing issue. Okay, before we get out of here, it's time to play America's fastest growing new game show. A guess who's on the cover of Entertainment Weekly. Woo-hoo. It's actually an Entertainment Weekly. Amazing. So are you ready, Mark? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Uh, TV related? Yes. Uh, is it one show on the cover? Yes. Is this having to do with the fall TV preview? Um, ye- no. No? Okay. Is it a new show? Yes. Uh, is it a show on broadcast TV? No. Is it on cable? No. Is it on streaming? Yes. Okay. Is it a drama? Uh, yes. Uh, is it genre related? No. Okay. It's on streaming. Is it on an existing streaming service that has not yet uh, been introduced? 
Um, could you reword that question well, for me? Is it on a service that hasn't actually started yet? Yes, that is correct. It's on a service that hasn't actually started yet. Okay. Is it on Disney Plus? No. Is it on Apple TV Plus? Yes. Okay. Is it the morning show? It is. Ta-da. So who's on it? That's Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon and Steve Col- uh, Stephen uh, 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 Steve. Um, <laughs> Steve. I gotcha. No, Steve. <sighs> Keep thinking Colbert, and I know it's not Steve. Steve Driver, Steve. What do you drive? A car, a truck. Steve Carell. <laughs> I'm doing motions here, yeah. like like charades. Yeah, charades. Which which was created an audio podcast. <laughs> it doesn't really work. <laughs> okay, yeah. So that was pretty easy because we actually just talked about that earlier. That's today. true. So. Announcer bot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe by your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.